Way City Church, located in Woodbridge, Virginia, is led by Pastor Marlon Yearwood and exists to reach the lost and disciple the believer. Way City Church, I hope uh, this message finds you well. Uh, my name is Will. If you've not seen me in recent weeks, uh, it's been a joy over the last couple years to uh, work with Marlon and Deborah as you guys have gotten ready to launch your church. And it's my joy to be with you all again this morning as we uh, continue to look at God's Word together. Our church in Manassas is doing a series we're just calling Race, Ethnicity, and the Bible. We're trying to take so much of the conversation that's happening in our society uh, and bringing it in together to the church and centering it on God's Word. And so as we continue in that, this is actually going to be our last message on it. And we're going to be at a chapter uh, in the book of Acts that really helpfully speaks to this topic of different ethnic groups that had some tension even some ethnic superiority or racism uh, towards uh, one another, the Lord uniting together in a powerful way. And so it's a bit of a long reading this morning. I want to invite you to uh, turn uh, to your Bibles, though, to Acts chapter 10, beginning in verse 17, and to really focus in on these words, uh, as I think they could provide a lot of help for the realities that we're facing in our society right now. So please turn with me, Acts chapter 10. We're going to begin at verse 17. Uh, Just previous to where I'm reading, Peter the Apostle has seen this vision of this sheet coming down from from heaven with all of these animals running out. Uh, And what is perhaps my favorite Bible verse in that section says uh, to Peter, Peter, rise, kill, and eat. And so we pick up uh, from from there in verse 17 for how uh, Peter was now supposed to respond to this vision and going to a group of people that he would have not normally been accustomed of going to. So let's pick it up in verse 17, Acts chapter 10, verse 17, and I invite you to read along with me. Now, while Peter was inwardly perplexed as to what the vision that he had seen might mean, behold, the men who were sent by Cornelius, having made inquiry for Simon's house, stood at the gate and called out to ask whether Simon, who was called Peter, was lodging there. And while Peter was pondering the vision, the Spirit said to him, Behold, three men are looking for you. Rise and go down and accompany them without hesitation, for I have sent them. And Peter went down to the men and said, I am the one you're looking for. What is the reason for your coming? And they said, Cornelius, a centurion, an upright and God-fearing man who is well spoken of by the Jewish nation, has, direct, has been directed by a holy angel to send for you to come to his house and to hear what you have to say. So he invited them in to be his guests. The next day he rose and went away with them, and uh, some of the brothers from Joppa accompanied him. On the following day they entered Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them and had called, another, uh, had called together his relatives and close friends. When Peter entered, Cornelius met him, fell down at his feet, and worshipped him. But Peter lifted him up, saying, Stand up, I too am a man. And as he talked with him, he went in and found many persons gathered. And he said to them, You yourselves know how it is unlawful for a Jew to associate with or visit anyone of another nation. But God has shown me that I should not call any person common or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without objection. I asked then why you sent for me. 
And Cornelius said, Four days ago, about this hour, I was praying in my house at the ninth hour, and behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing and said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard and your alms have been remembered before God. Send therefore to Joppa and ask for Simon, who is called Peter. He is lodging in the house of Simon, a tanner by the sea. So I sent for you at once, and you have been kind enough to come. Now, therefore, we are all here in the presence of God to hear all that you have been commanded by the Lord. Verse 34. So Peter opened his mouth and said, Truly, I understand that God shows no partiality. And in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. As for the word that he sent to Israel, preaching good news of peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. You yourselves know what happened throughout all Judea, beginning from Galilee, after the baptism that John proclaimed, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And we are witnesses of all that he did, both in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree, but God raised him up on the third day and made him to appear, not to all the people, but to us who had been chosen by God as witnesses, who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one appointed by God to judge the living and the dead. To him all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. While Peter was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. And believers from among the circumcision who had come with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles. For they were hearing them speak in tongues and extolling God. And then Peter declared, how can anyone withhold water from baptizing these people? who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And then they asked him to remain for some days. This is God's word. Let me pray for us now. Lord, I simply want to pray uh, this morning that the miracle that was experienced by uh, these different ethnic groups with so much tension, so much baggage, so much to pull them apart, In that miracle that you gave, you united them together as one. And Lord, we experience different things in our current context, but um, in many ways similar. The tension, the perhaps uh, prejudice, the instances of feeling superior or having been on the receiving end of racism. uh, All of these things that would drive us apart. Lord, in the world, they will continue to be driven apart. But Lord, I pray that in your church, through the outpouring of your spirit, you would unite us redeem us, bring forgiveness between us that we could be one. Do that miracle, I pray now in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so I don't usually have a title for the sermons that I give. I'm giving one this morning. I'm just going to call it The Miracle at Jaffa. And a quick note of why I'm calling it Jaffa as opposed to Joppa. The Hebrew letter for P, the P sound and the F sound are very similar. So in modern day day times, the uh, town of Jaffa is called Jaffa. Uh, But that's what I'm going to call it that, the miracle at Jaffa. And uh, Jaffa is a port town on the Mediterranean Sea, a very beautiful place if you ever have the chance to visit. And it is a location where two biblical figures 
uh, significant biblical figures, were called to go to a people uh, different from their own, a different ethnic group. And in both of those instances, these people would have met it with a little bit of reluctance, but God did a miracle in both instances uh, to bring about, uh, uh, in the first instance, Jonah to go to uh, the Gentiles in um, the city of Nineveh, and then with Peter going to a Gentile named Cornelius in the city of Caesarea. Uh, Both showed the need for God to do something miraculous when these men were called to go to an ethnic group outside of their own, and in both times it began in this city called Jaffa. And as I look at the current climate that we're in with ethnic relations, racial relations, what I am praying that we would experience is a similar miracle in our relation with one another. And when I say miracle, I don't just mean something improbable. What I mean is God to actually do something supernatural by His hand, to unite believers in His church of different ethnic groups, of different experiences based on those ethnic backgrounds. I am praying that God would do a similar miracle in our midst um, as His people. And so our outline for this morning as, as we walk through this pretty long passage together is this. Number one, I want to talk about the need for a miracle. Number two, I want to talk about the gift of that miracle. And then number three, I want to talk about the the living out of that miracle. Okay, so number one, the need for a miracle to take place. It happened with Peter. Peter is at this town, Jaffa, and uh, from his background, really through his whole life, he did not interact with people of other ethnic groups. For them, that would have been any Gentile. Uh, and so he's in Jaffa. He uh, falls into this trance because he, it says uh, earlier, which we didn't read, that he was uh, hungry. And, and while he's asleep, this vision comes of this sheet unfolding from heaven with all of these animals coming forth uh, and, and God communicating to him that the dietary laws that restricted him uh, from eating with people of another ethnicity are, are now obsolete. Uh, he can now rise, kill, and eat and go uh, to these different uh, Gentile groups. Uh, So that's what happens prior to this. Uh, But the reason Peter needed this kind of miraculous vision is because there were some significant obstacles that would have kept him from going to a different ethnic group. I think what we can see in the history of the Bible with figures like Jonah or in our own other examples of human history, we can see great obstacles when it comes to us engaging in relationship with those outside of our own ethnic group. We were designed by God to be united together under Him as our Creator with a beautiful display of difference and diversity. But because sin entered in, it took our differences and take something that should have been celebrated among us, it is now those differences through sin that drives us further apart. And these differences can can kind of uh, provoke sin in subtle ways, like little acts of partiality or prejudice. It can be uh, expressed through more overt uh, examples of racism or feelings of ethnic superiority. It can even go through the most extreme examples of oppressing or uh, engaging in genocide across ethnic lines. Ethnic and racial prejudice run deep in the human heart, and it's addressed in this, 
this passage. It's, it's alluded to in this passage. And so uh, for Peter, let me talk to you about a few of the obstacles that would have kept him from going to this uh, other ethnic group, the Gentiles, this, uh, this, this Roman man named Cornelius. Um, number one, there were the specific dietary laws that would have kept Peter from uh, crossing some of these bounds because he uh, wouldn't have been able to eat the food that people over there ate. There were very uh, strict dietary laws, uh, but the first thing we see happening is God making those obsolete through the vision that's given. Number two, for Peter... And this Gentile man named Cornelius, there actually would have been some justice-related issues as well. Uh, The passage describes Cornelius as a righteous man. Uh, He was employed, though, uh, his career, he was employed by a very unrighteous, uh, oppressive regime. He was a Roman centurion which means he commanded Roman soldiers who at the time had invaded the nation of Israel and were at times uh, applying very unfair taxation. Uh, They were very unjust and wicked in the way that they treated the Jewish people. And so Peter probably would have grown up seeing people dressed just like Cornelius in their Roman soldier garb, uh, doing incredibly unjust things in his society, not to mention his best friend in the world. His Messiah, his teacher, had been uh, crucified, murdered at the hands of Roman officials who were just like Cornelius. So one could understand, recognizing that Cornelius was among these Roman soldiers who were known for these atrocities, known for these injustices, he would have had some reluctance. It would have been a barrier for him to go to these people. So there's the religious barrier. We could call it the justice barrier. And then third a barrier that I think we could uh, describe as being ethnocentrism or racism. So in verse 28 of the chapter we just read, it says, You know how unlawful it is for a Jew to associate or visit anyone of another nation. What God had established in the Old Covenant was dietary laws that, that kind of separated the Jewish people from the other nations. But there was actually no law that commanded that that the Jews were not to uh, associate with those uh, who were of another nation. Uh, That was a man-made tradition by the Jewish people that added to God's law that kept them alienated from those outside of their ethnicity. But as we do so often, we begin to add our own guidelines and parameters on the people that we will associate with. Our prejudice and our ignorance often keep us around people who are just like us, and we remain at a distance from those who are different. This is something that Peter struggled with. We see this uh, early in, in his call that he needs this miraculous vision to go to the Gentiles. We see him even later in his ministry struggling to sit down and eat with those who are from another nation. Peter, deep within his heart, struggled with engaging in relationship with those who are of a different ethnic group of his own. My friends, what I simply want us to observe under this first point of the need for a miracle is is the reality that there are obstacles within the human heart that keep us from engaging in relationship and treating rightly those who are of a different ethnic background. 
And I'll by no means say that just because of the color of your skin, you're automatically racist or you're automatically have some, some uh, understanding of superiority based on your race. I, I would by no means make that kind of blanket sweeping statement. What I would say is this, though. If the Apostle Peter, who walked with Jesus for three years, still struggled crossing these lines, uh, treating other ethnic groups as fully dignified human beings made in the image of God, if he struggled with that, isn't it possible that some of that might exist in your heart, in my heart? So I would never say that just because of the color of your skin, you automatically will struggle with this. What I would invite people of any ethnic background, any skin color, to invite the Spirit of God into your heart to uproot anything that might, uh, that might still be lingering in terms of ethnic superiority or a distancing from those who are unlike you. I want to invite you to simply pray and ask God, is there any part of me? Are there any aspects of partiality or prejudice that exist within me that seem to be found in Peter in this passage as well? Invite God to say, if there is anything that would keep me from moving towards people who are made in your image or treating them differently, reveal that to me. And when God does reveal that, we invite him then to do something miraculous. So number one, we looked at the need for a miracle because of these obstacles that we have in our heart towards those who are of different ethnic groups. Number two, the most important part of this passage, I want us to see the miracle that God gives in this story that obliterates these uh, ethnic boundaries that had been created between Jews and Gentiles. So we looked first at the obstacles and the need for a miracle. Number two, I want to look at the gift of a miracle. So for Jonah, hundreds of years before, when he resisted going to this other ethnic group, the miracle for him came in the form of a fish. For Peter and these Gentiles, the miracle they needed came in the form of a dove. A dove, of course, being the uh, symbolic or illustration for the spirit of the living God falling upon his people. Read with me what happens in verse 44. While Peter was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. And the believers from among the circumcision who had uh, come with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit, listen to how he says this, was poured out even on the Gentiles. For they were hearing them speak, speaking in tongues, extolling God, the Spirit of God. Falling on these two ethnic groups at the same time was the miracle that they needed to be united as one. This miracle gave these two ethnic groups with a lot of baggage between one another the unity that they needed. And I want to focus on how it created unity in, in three specific ways. So, so there's the miracle of God's Spirit falling on them. And that, that instance of God encountering this people with His Spirit gave them three things that united them together as one. Number one, when the Spirit fell on uh, both these Jews and Gentiles who were together in this place in Caesarea, it gave them both a shared acceptance. Shared acceptance. So, Early in the book of Acts, what we see is this radical outpouring of God's Spirit among the Jews who are in the upper room on the day of Pentecost. They're speaking in tongues. Uh, the miraculous is taking place. But what happens as we continue to read through the book of Acts is that we see God doing similar things. 
And the reason that he's doing these things is because he is demonstrating that the same spirit who fell on the Jews back in Acts chapter 2 is falling on Samaritans and uh, Gentiles as well. These are not just random outpourings that are happening, random miraculous events that are happening. What God is doing is communicating to the Jews, hey, you know that incredible experience in my spirit that you had with me back in Acts chapter 2? I'm doing the same thing, showing my acceptance of Samaritans and Gentiles. They get the same access to the spirit that you do. This outpouring of the Spirit is a statement to the ethnocentric Jews that looked down on people outside their group who would have asked, even them? And God, in pouring out His Spirit, says, yes, even them. You know, I've got four kids, and all of them have different experiences throughout the day in my household. Some good, some bad. They like different kinds of food. They have different interests. Uh, they sometimes get along really well. Sometimes they fight really well. Uh, regardless of kind of how their day has gone, their personal interests, their differences that exist between them, regardless of what differences they might experience throughout the day, at the end of the day, every single day, they get a symbol of acceptance and approval upon each one of them. At the end of each day, no matter how different they are from one another, I grab each one of them, I hug them, I kiss them, I tell them that I love them as, as their father, and I pray for each one of my four kids. So whatever differences exist between them, they each are united together by my common uh, demonstration of my approval of them. As God pours out His Spirit on these different ethnic groups throughout the book of Acts, what He is communicating, amidst all the differences that exist between these different groups, you're approved. You're accepted. You belong. You belong. And as the maybe ethnocentric Jews might ask, even the Samaritans? God's Spirit falls and says, even the Samaritans. Even the Gentile? Even the, even the centurion Gentile? God's Spirit falls. Yes, even the Gentiles. As God pours out His Spirit on His people, He demonstrates, even though we have differences from one another, we are united together through a shared acceptance demonstrated by the fact that we all have received the Spirit of God. So they're united together through this demonstration of a shared acceptance. Number two, a shared identity. I think we could all say that we have a shared identity crisis in our country. We've lost an understanding of what it means to be a human being made in God's image. And so what that leaves us doing is grabbing at all kinds of secondary identities uh, to tell us who we are. So in modern times, what makes us us, what tells us who we are is maybe our country or our gender or our race or our sexual orientation. But when these are our ultimate identities, it will only drive us further apart from people who don't share those ultimate identities. In Acts chapter 10, there's a group of different identities, different ethnic groups, different surface identities, but they were given a shared core identity. How? Through baptism. When these people are baptized into water, it's as though they are being given a new birth certificate. They get a new name. You have been baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Baptism is all about getting our identity in Christ. And when we get our identity in Christ right, and we realize that's the thing that unites us, 
all of our differences, whether they be ethnicity, whether they be social lines, whether they be generational lines, whatever differences you can name, those can actually be celebrated now uh, because they're no longer things that divide us. We have everything we need for unity in our shared identity through baptism into Christ. This now uh, causes these secondary identities to be things to be celebrated, not divided over. So in this miracle at Caesarea, they were, they were given a shared acceptance, number two, a shared identity, and number three, a shared Lord. In verse 36, Peter is preaching the gospel to this group of Gentiles, and uh, he announces a gospel or good news of peace through Jesus Christ. Man, peace is something that we long for in our relationships as human beings. They longed for it. They needed it in the first century between Jews and Gentiles. We need it today across the ethnic divisions that we experience in our day. Peter preached a gospel of peace. He said, there is peace through Jesus Christ. How then, the verse continues, he is Lord of all. When we have different ultimate authorities in our life, we will never be able to walk in unity together. Uh, for Peter and Cornelius, if Peter's ultimate authority, highest authority was perhaps the Jewish Sanhedrin, and for Cornelius, his highest authority is Caesar in Rome, unity would be impossible. Peace would be impossible. But they realize that uh, in Jesus Christ ascending to his heavenly throne and now being Lord of all, we have the same ultimate authority. And that brings peace between us because we're not operating on a different set of rules. We all come under the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we could say the same thing in our day. Listen, if my ultimate authority, let's just say, is Donald Trump and your ultimate authority is Joe Biden, peace is impossible. If my ultimate authority is Don Lemon on CNN and your ultimate authority is Sean Hannity, peace will be impossible. If I am the ultimate authority in my life and you are the ultimate authority in your life and we call our own shots individually, peace will be impossible. But my dear friends, Peter came preaching a gospel of peace that recognizes Jesus has ascended to his glorious throne and from that throne he is Lord of all. And when he is my Lord and your Lord, no matter what our differences are, then peace is what we will have. And when he ascends to this position of Lord, he now instructs us how we are to relate to one another even in light of our differences. Jesus shows us earlier in this passage, Peter learned it, he says that God has taught me not to call any person common or unclean. When Jesus becomes the Lord of my life, he gives me a right view of other human beings. Now that he's my Lord and your Lord, we can't uh, view each other as common or unclean or less than or inferior. But when Christ is Lord, we treat each other as fellow image bearers of Christ. They were given the same Lord, the same ultimate authority. No more separate allegiances. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism. And in, when we recognize this, we're united together as one. So listen, these two ethnic groups had big differences, big divides. We, we talked about those earlier. God gave a miracle, the outpouring of his spirit to overcome all of those obstacles. That, that miracle demonstrated itself through a shared acceptance. We've been given the Spirit of God together. 
Number two, a shared identity. We have uh, been baptized into Christ and that defines who we are. And number three, through that miracle, we get the same Lord, the same authority, uh, the same one that we submit to together. That's the miracle that God did, the miracle at Jaffa that brought these different groups together. The last thing I want to consider with you is how they chose then, in human terms, to live out that miracle together. So there were some big obstacles. God overcame those obstacles with the pouring out of his spirit upon them. But they didn't just leave it there. They didn't say, well, God did everything, so now we can just uh, you know, go about business as usual. No, they, they lived the miracle out. How did they do that? Through one simple word that I pray uh, the believers at New City Fellowship and the Way City Church will wholeheartedly embody during these divisive times. Do you know what they practiced together? A very simple word. Hospitality. Hospitality. The biblical meaning for hospitality is not hosting people and having a nice dinner party. The biblical word for hospitality means befriending strangers. So God had united these different groups together through all of the things we just talked about, but they chose to live out that unity by befriending those who were different than themselves. There's an expression of it back in verse 23. Uh, it says that this, uh, this centurion Cornelius invited Peter to be his guest. Verse 58, the last verse in this long chapter at the end of the story, says that these Gentiles asked him to remain some days. In other words, we've just encountered this miracle. God has met us and utterly transformed how we relate to one another. Now, will you stay a while and spend some time with us? I know, naturally speaking, you're a stranger. Can we enter into a friendship with one another where we can get to know one another? Will you stay a while? And I have a theory as to why Peter stayed so long uh, with this Gentile group. Uh, he just got this vision of being able to eat anything. My theory, this isn't in the Bible, but my theory is that Peter had bacon or some pork barbecue for the very first time. And he knew he couldn't get that back where he was from in Jerusalem. So he hung out with these people, enjoying a meal together, enjoying one another's fellowship. And through that practical act of engaging in hospitality, unity was experienced with one another. God did the miracle of uniting them, but they lived out that miracle by engaging in hospitality with one another. So a practical take home for all of you. Do you practice biblical hospitality? Do you put some thought and prayer into who you can befriend that might be considered a stranger, at least according to natural terms? Maybe a stranger due to age, a stranger due to culture or ethnicity or season in life? Do you put prayerful thought into who you can befriend that would naturally be considered a stranger. Listen, friends, in the midst of the division that is being experienced in this country, in the midst of our country's history, naturally speaking, I have very little hope for us to be able to be united together. I hope progress is made, and, and uh, we need to put thought and work into that. But for the church, I have incredible hope because we have something supernatural. We have the spirit of the living God that unites very different people together together as one. Uh, we've got the same sign of acceptance. Uh, we've got the same identity. We've got the same Lord who, who governs and, and directs our lives. 
can we now respond to what God has done by making intentional decisions to befriend strangers, to get to know them, get to know their story, enjoy food together, just like they did in this story. I think if we do this, I think if we do this, we will demonstrate the miracle that God has worked in our own lives to a world that desperately needs one. Let me just say this as I get ready to close. You know, in this story, there was a, a group of very unlikely people who were brought in and, and made God's own people. People who were far from God, people who were considered outsiders, who saw what Jesus had done for them on the cross and said, I believe that, and they were welcomed in. There may be people who are watching right now and you've been far from God for a long time. Maybe not because of like your ethnicity, but because you've chosen to live your own way and do your own thing. The, the people in this story, when they saw these unlikely people coming to have a relationship with Jesus, you know, asked themselves, uh, even them, even the Gentiles, even these outsiders are included? And the clear story was, through Jesus, even them. If you're far from God this morning, you've been living your own way, you've been the Lord of your own life. Hear from God this morning that the opportunity to have a relationship with your maker is even for you, even for you. No matter what your life looks like right now, no matter what divisions or sins you are carrying, even you. Jesus Christ died on the cross to bring you to God and to uh, then bring you into fellowship with his church. And if you don't know the living God this morning, I want to pray for you now that God would meet you where you are and welcome you back. So let's pray now as we get ready to close. God, I could say the same words for me. Even me? You died for me? You, you took my sin upon your back? You welcome me as your child? You welcome me to be a part of your supernatural community called the church? Lord, I pray that, that people watching this this morning would hear that invitation. Yes, even then, through the sacrificial death of Jesus Christ on the cross. Lord, uh, would you draw anyone watching right now to confess their sins before you, to believe that you died on the cross, rose again from the grave, and you now call them in to a relationship with you. Lord, we love you. Do this miracle in our churches, we pray. Unite unlikely people, hostile people together as one under the Lordship of Jesus Christ, we pray in his precious name. Amen. We'd love to hear from you. Visit us at thewaycitychurch.org.